about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. Yeah, I wanna shoot, baby. Shoot. movie and television series by television series hurtful through the marvel cinematic universe this time we're stepping outside the marvel cinematic universe and into the multiverse for a look at deadpool part of 20th century fox's series of films based on the x-men originally released in february 2016 technically this place sits somewhere between danny ram returning to new york from kunlun having attained the title of iron fist and claire temple getting a letter from luke cage from prison and you guessed it there's absolutely no crossover with either of them for now, anyway. I'm Tim Worthington, and we'll be finding out what I thought of Deadpool shortly. Meanwhile, joining me to give her thoughts on Deadpool is journalist and playwright Emma Burnell. Emma, where can people find you? I'm always on Twitter, like always. <laughs> so I'm Emma Burnell underscore on Twitter, and that's probably the easiest place. Okay, so before we get any further, Emma, what happens in Deadpool? It starts off with quite a cool action sequence. And then there's a pause, and then you find out why the action sequence happens, and you get all of the backstory, which is that the main guy, Wade, is a kind of a drifty, lonery guy who works as a vigilante, largely sort of sorting out people that his boyfriends, as far as I can tell. And then he falls madly in love, and just as that's about to work out for the rest of his life, he gets terminal cancer and leaves the girlfriend because he doesn't want her to watch him die but then gets offered an opportunity to have his terminal cancer somehow mysteriously overthrown and takes the opportunity and ends up in this very strange place where he's essentially tortured into being a superhero so he's put through this hyperbaric chamber for days which makes his skin look terrible like mine when I'm on my period and then when he comes out of that he's also can completely heal himself of any wound and also any disease so the cancer is gone but he looks like a crater face and he is very cross at looking like this because previously he looked like Ryan Reynolds which is a better option really <laughs> and he's upset and he thinks his ex-girlfriend won't fancy him anymore because his ex-girlfriend is that really pretty one from Firefly listeners will know that that's about the level of my knowing actors but he goes after the bloke who runs the turning you into a superhero place and tries to find him and attack him kill him half with the idea that the guy can turn his face back and half with the idea that he just wants to kill him you know he goes after him and all his henchmen 
then they have a big fight and then the film ends. <laughs> There's a side line with one of the X-Men who is made of silver and who has a slightly dodgy relationship with a much younger girl who looks, as Ryan Reynolds keeps saying, like Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. But Emma, how much did you know about Deadpool before you saw this? As you can probably tell, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nothing. And even though we re-watched it, so I watched it with you the first time when I saw it, I'd forgotten almost all of the plot. I'd remembered a lot of the asides. <laughs> yeah, well, the interesting thing about this is... I'm sure most people listening know about the saga with the X-Men films that Fox made, where some of them were better than others, should we say. One of the ones that was not better than others was X-Men Origins Wolverine, where they wrote a version of Wade Wilson into it, who, I've got more to say about that later, but was absolutely dreadful. Ryan Reynolds played him there, and there's history there as well, which we'll come on to. But this was, after they tried to reboot it with X-Men Days of Future Past, which, again, I have some issues with, because it's not as good as the Days of Future Past comic, which... When I was about seven was the most exciting thing in the world. But given that they'd reset the timeline, they thought we can do a new Deadpool exactly as he is in the comics. And he basically is kind of a 90s innovation. And the X-Men, famously a bit serious and dry, even for me. And this was some X-Men writers wanted to create a character where they thought, we will write him as if we're going to be told, don't do any more at the end of the right. next issue. Hence all the swearing, and all the, the violence. The fourth wall breaking, yeah. which I think it's only really him and She-Hulk that have done that, though. Hers is more she, is she comments on sexism rather than just it's rude. Now <laughs> you've said that, I can absolutely see it. There's a really 90s Gen X Kevin Smith kind of vibe to it. I definitely see that. And it's very me. I mean, I love all that. Well, Ryan Reynolds had actually been potentially attached to Deadpool for a long time because he was, around the same time as the X-Men films, he was in the Blade franchise as Hannibal King. And with the producers of Blade, they'd actually said to him, because Deadpool occasionally mentioned Ryan Reynolds in comics, and they said, you make a good Deadpool, but they couldn't get the rights to him. So when Fox were considering doing it, initially they made him this dreadful Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine. But between that, and there are jokes about this in this, DC see a casting as Green Lantern in the DC films which is one of the worst rated films ever actually in the second Deadpool film he travels back in time and shoots Ryan Reynolds to stop him <laughs> Green Lantern see for me Ryan Reynolds will always be Berg from Two Guys A Girl In A Pizza Place which I absolutely loved in the early noughties I think it was it was this blatant Friends rip off that was on one of those like cheap cable channels so it was quite weird when Ryan Reynolds got properly famous it was like but he's Berg <laughs> <laughs> if you are a Ryan Reynolds completist I do recommend Two Guys it started off being called Two Guys A Girl In A Pizza Place and then they realised that the pizza place bits didn't really work and the Two Guys And The Girl did so they just made them Two Guys And The Girl and they were just flat Oh, and I'll tell you who else started out there. Nathan Fillion. There you go. I mean, well, that's a whole load of origin story right there. What's interesting about a guy and one girl <laughs> is that in this, as you mentioned, Marina Bakarin, who was Inara in Firefly, and that's it, yeah. she's been in quite a few other things. She was in uh, that terroristy thing. Homeland. Homeland. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, in this, she's made into a very strong character. I mean, they don't have Vanessa as copycat as she is in the comics, but she is a very strong character mm. and there are kind of some issues with the way she's handled in the second film but we're not talking about that now but I think 
in a lot of ways, she is on a personal level stronger than Wade. Oh, definitely. In comic yeah. terms, well, because there's that amazing kind of watch through your fingers scene where they go through all the anniversaries in the year and celebrating it in their own special way, should we yes, say? Yes, indeed. <laughs> including indeed. International Women's Day. <laughs> I think that. Especially given how the X-Men films were with characters who weren't female X-Men. Mm. I think that was a really, really important step forward. Yeah. yeah, no, she's, even though she's a civilian, as it were, she kicks ass and she's emotionally much stronger than Wade. And not unrealistically either. I mean, the only thing is, of course, she works at a strip club because it seems that there is only one job that girlfriends are allowed to have in any of these films which is working in a strip club but you know other than that she's a quite well-rounded character and we've also got as you say from the x-men we've got colossus who's the metal guy that you mentioned ah. and negasonic teenage warhead who's the stroppy teenager Sinead. yeah Sinead, <laughs> yeah and i think they really fit in really well because yeah. she's so cynical yeah. and you know fed oh, up she's, and is texting people while yeah. they're fighting. She's a classic yeah. 90s teenager. No, no. Now you, now you say about that mm. 90s thing, that makes so much sense. She could have been mm. lifted straight out of, uh, what was that Matt Damon film about grunge or a Kevin Smith film? Yeah, she really was perfectly or Empire Records. She is mm. the girl from Empire Records, isn't she? That's who I was thinking of all the way through. Now I can see it, yes. And we only get them, and obviously Colossus works really well because he's like a teacher's pet as well, a real goody two-shoes. But I love that there's a reference to the fact that it's like the studio couldn't afford another X-Man, even though, you know, there's a bit of fourth wall breaking where it says, what timeline are we in, Stuart or McAvoy? I think they picked the perfect two that. I mean, they really kind of stepped Colossus up from his previous appearances because actually on the commentary, you can hear Tim Miller, the director, refers to, I mean, he's got even more to say about the original Deadpool, but he says about the early Colossus, I mean, that's not fucking Colossus. (laughs) And I think the CGI works really... To the extent that you could almost think, in a good way, it was a guy in a suit rather than... Yeah. Rather than the kind of 70s Doctor Who guy in a suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree on that. I mean, you and I have talked about my slight allergy to CGI stuff before. Yeah, I get very bored when the last 40 minutes of a film is basically just what is essentially an animated fight. But when it works well, and I think it does in this, it was very good. And Colossus, yeah, there, there was a real humanity in that character, which I thought was great. And it does actually go back to, there's a long history of it almost not getting made even after Fox had the rights to Deadpool, because they had been put off by, I mean, it's pitched to them by Ryan Reynolds and Tim Miller as somewhere between Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Natural Born Killers, which I think is spot on. <laughs> and they were unsure due to the tone, due to Green Well, they Lantern. definitely went one <laughs> way with that, didn't they? Because the, the end scene. <laughs> yeah. And also Green Lantern had flopped and it was kind of on the back burner. And apparently at various points, Robert Rodriguez and James Cameron, who both read the script, both phoned, like, had people up at Fox and said, are you insane? Yeah. It's a great script. But... Now, they both deny that they were involved with leaking the test footage, which is the first scene of the fight around the car that plays on the opening credits. They have nothing to do with that, <laughs> honestly, but apparently it was the reaction to that that got it on the slate. Right. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, again, it's funny because that's not the bit that grips me. 
like the big fight. I remember sitting there thinking, I don't really know what's going on. I'm just going to let them work it all out. And then at the end, they'll say things that will actually explain what's just happened. And they did. It was fun. But yeah, those big action sequences are never the thing that draw me in. It's much more about characterization. And I love Deadpool. I think he's a very good, very well-written and very fleshed out character. Well, we get a lot of really, really good supporting characters about smaller roles, like this blind owl, his flatmate, is an elderly black woman. There's Weasel, his friend who works in the bar where mercenaries are hired, who, I mean, this is a problem now, played by TJ Miller, who, I don't know if you know, he's problematic because of some stunts he did on stage, including making a bomb threat. So okay. he's kind of semi-cancelled. There's also Gina Carano as Angel Dust, who's been yeah, semi-cancelled for Blimey. some of her comments about the pandemic See and now. other issues. And I'm going to say, though, they play those roles really they well. Do. Those characters they are do. good. Weasel kept reminding me of Stephen Merchant. I was like, if he was taller, he would totally yeah. be Stephen Merchant. Um, well, Stephen Merchant's already been Caliban, so it would have looked funny if he turned away. There you go. So, yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, you're, <laughs> I bow to your superior knowledge of this universe. Yeah, and there were... As you say, there were good like little extra characters that just made things sort of flow better. And in some ways, I think Vanessa kind of sits halfway between. She's not really a main character. She hasn't got her own storyline, but she is an important character. And the references, I think, are really perfectly pitched because it is. This even extends to apparently the soundtrack was done on like eighties hair metal instruments to make it fit in with like his points of reference because it's all 80s 90s stuff it's somebody what somebody his age would refer to rather than it's really defining a character rather than bringing the whole yeah that's that's absolutely it because and he keeps making references to megasonic warhead girl and she just looks at him as if like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) like i wasn't born when that was a reference (laughs) (laughs) And that's beautifully played, I think. I should just bring in, you won't be aware of much of this, but the publicity around it was astonishingly good. There was the original teaser trailer, started with, from the studio that inexplicably sewed his fucking mouth shut the first time. There was, they did a Halloween one with him answering the door, some trick-or-treating kids dressed as X-Men. One with Betty White, one with Manchester United. Blimey. One with him giving Conan O'Brien a massage. There were billboards. Was that just before United stopped winning anything? <laughs> it may have been. Mm. What the? The new uniforms look fabulous, guys. What kind of is this? Red is your colour, number two. Surely, lads. This is insane. Think of it as teamwork. The key is to keep it subtle. Think of this as a special Deadpool present for your 659 million fans worldwide. What in the Pogba? They're not wearing the official Deadpool knee pads. I know they don't wear knee pads, but they sure as do now. I love Jose's head for this. Jose! See, when you make a sequel, you have to double down on your promotions or you just get buried by Infinity War. 
Who are billboards yeah. promoting it as a romance film. He argued with Hugh Jackman, who plays Wolverine, on Twitter as if they had a rivalry over the film existing. Nice. He had photographs recreating Burt Reynolds' Playboy sessions in the Deadpool costume. Well, Ryan did... Reynolds is like that, though, isn't he? He's mm. got that lovely relationship on Instagram with his wife where they just constantly rib each other. And I'm not a big one for celebrity Instagram, but I do like those two. Well, it goes even further because rather than they were offered a promo spot in the middle of the Super Bowl, instead they got Deadpool doing part of the commentary on the Super Bowl and Ryan Reynolds ran a taco van in the ground. Nice. <laughs> there was also, it was on Mario Lopez's chat show, and the show had to be a family film before pulling out a prop gun shooting yeah. Mario Lopez. They did stuff on Snapchat and Tinder. Apparently they tried to get a fake video on Pornhub and then that point Fox said no. <laughs> That's a little bit too far. Nice. But I love the fact that all the promotion was entirely in character with the film. You can't say anyone would have gotten into this not knowing what to expect. No, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I like that. Obviously, his girlfriend, his his wife, sorry, is Blake Lively. And it occurs to me, now here's a crossover for you. She was, of course, the star of Gossip Girl. And every episode of Gossip Girl was signed off with XOXO. So maybe she's an XO man. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still got it. <laughs> Well, there's also in this, we nearly had Nathan Fillion. It's in his lead scene as a bathroom attendant, but for unknown reasons it was cut. Ah, well, probably him and Ryan Reynolds fucking about too much, <laughs> still trying to pretend to be like <laughs> Berg and Johnny from Two Guys and a Girl. And there's also the unsung star of the film, Dependa, the cab driver. Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> great, isn't he? High five. <laughs> Crisp high five. I love the fact that he's just, he facilitates some of the action, but he's not actually involved in it at all. It's like as if it's just something that's happening while he's waiting for his fare. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That is his primary purpose, is waiting to be yeah. paid. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure he ever does get paid. I'm not sure it's the greatest advert for, <laughs> for superheroes at Uber. And the thing was, for again, Fox would be nervous because it would have to be R-rated. But for not, because even the Blade films weren't R. Really? I mean, there were R-rated versions of them that you know you could also get on DVD. But it was massive, absolutely massive for an R-rated superhero film. I think that's what gave Marvel the courage to do the TV shows with like The Punisher and Daredevil because they knew that people would stomach that. Mm. But I just think it reflects the vision they had for it and the belief they had in it because obviously you know they, they had to leak footage to get their own film made. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know, maybe that's a turning point of some kind to show that you can do, you can go further for mainstream audiences than maybe people being prepared to accept in the past. I mean, I, I think it's with all these things, isn't it? Like, there's always these waves where it's like you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that and then someone does that and it's a massive hit and it's like and then we'll see 20 different versions of that (laughs) (laughs) the bigger problem i would say that you've got in hollywood at the moment is everything's made for the chinese audience and that that's a lot of the reasons why films are so long apparently and why there's so much cgi because snappy dialogue not so great in a market where english isn't the first language reference comedy not so great when your primary audience doesn't get the references that's something i've never looked into how do they translate these references in other languages do they go around picking like similar characters from other popular cultures i mean i my entire experience of this is going to china in 1999 and watching a lot of pirated dvds with some very interesting translations on them. This means I can say things like, you're not my father, in Chinese. <laughs> in Nibusha Wadababa. 
Well, it does make me think of... I don't like to acknowledge that Lost existed these days because of that ending. But one of the things I still really like about it was obviously you had Sawyer, who was kind of like a Deadpool character in some ways, referred mm. to everyone by pop culture references. But when Jin and Sun, the Korean characters, talk back to him in Korean, apparently you know, the performers playing them were actually responding in kind with characters they pulled from, you know, popular culture they knew growing up that were the same as, you know, Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man or something. Oh, okay, so. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know the answer, is, is the honest truth. But it is, there's definitely some very interesting economics going on with superhero movies and the Chinese market. There you go. Well, there is some pushback now, because recently there's been a big thing about there were a couple of films that China and a couple of other markets wouldn't release that Marvel have made. Particularly, there was Eternals because I think Chloe Zhao has been quite critical of the Chinese government and Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings because obviously that's got references to ancient culture and that falls outside their yeah. kind of what they would like their citizens to see of ancient culture. But recently, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There were demands from some overseas markets to have a scene with a reference to two gay characters in it cut, and they said, absolutely not, you can have the film or not at all. And they've decided not at all, <laughs> but there is some pushback now. Good. Well, I'm glad to see it. I'm a bit cynical. I know that commerce is usually more important than art when it comes to these things, but we shall see. There is also, as you mentioned, the post credit scene yeah. where, apart from the fact that I think it, it's really skillful the way it delights two different kinds of people going to see it at once because there's the, oh, by the way, we've got cable. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of people who went to see it probably thought, what's he mean they've got cable TV? But, you know, I was going, oh, my God, cable's going to be in it. And then, hilariously, the cast of guy who played Thanos in the actual Marvel films as cable <laughs> in the second film. But there's also the Ferris Bueller references. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, I didn't get the any end. of the cable yeah. thing, but the chicka chicka <laughs> made me laugh so much, as you know, because I was laughing about five minutes with you going chicka chicka. <laughs> and then we had a long discussion about how many films that was in in the 80s because I think it was in every film I think there was a legal, leg, legal loophole that all films had to contain that song for about 18 months well if they didn't have Oh Yeah by Yellow they had The Race instead yeah, which is in loads yeah, yeah. Like, which is in Nuns on the Run I keep forgetting I can't, to be honest the two of them kind of meld into the same song in my head I think you can say Ferris Bueller and Nuns on the Run meld into <laughs> the same film that really does take some time that would, that would be hard yeah I mean I'm not impossible i wouldn't put it past people but <laughs> well the interesting thing now is again you're not going to know quite a bit of this but because marvel now own the rights to the x-men again and the fantastic four and all kinds of people like that they've been looking at ways of bringing them in and in when dr shane is going through multiple realities in multiverse of madness he meets patrick stewart as professor xavier and you know a couple of things like that and they've confirmed there is going to be a deadpool 3 which is going to continue in the sound of the deadpool films with the same continuity, but it's also going to be part of the Marvel Universe. Now, what I'm thinking, that's going to be something wild, like he's going to say, why can't I be with these characters instead of the boring ones I'm stuck with? But <laughs> I'm really excited to see how they handle that. I mean, you know my... I am anti-universes in general. I just, I find the whole concept of the Marvel Universe too big to get my head around, so it actually puts me off going to see any of these films, because if they can't, and I'm sure they do stand alone, but it doesn't feel like they stand alone now. It feels like you have to do the whole universe, and I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> just let me go to the movies and relax and eat popcorn. I wouldn't say it's actually setting your homework, but what about the Whedon-verse? But I don't really do that either. I watch Buffyverse. 
Okay, yeah, I've watched every episode of Buffy and Angel. But even there, it's like the crossover isn't that huge. And the crossovers are winks. Whereas I do feel like it's homework with the Marvel Universe. And like... My friend Steph, who's the person I'm most likely to go and see a Marvel film with because she lives around the corner and we go to the cinema quite a lot together. She's like, oh yeah, and he was in X, Y and Z and this, this universe and that universe. And I'm like, I don't care. Leave me alone. I feel, I feel oppressed. I'm pressed by the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but on the other side of the coin, you know, I never thought I would see the day where I'd live in a world where my mother mentioned Groot in casual conversation. <laughs> like, well, that's the other one that we watched together, even to me. Because <laughs> we did Guardians of the Galaxy 2 for this, didn't we? And we've watched both of those films together, so... Admittedly, I have dipped my toe in on occasion. <laughs> okay, so there's only one thing left for me to ask now, and for everything you just said, you're going to need some help on this. Oh, God. Isaac C. Singleton Jr., who played Booth in Deadpool, who's just a minor character, was also the Cree known as the Vicar in Agents of Shield. So who was best? I'll give you a clue. It's the Vicar. I mean, it's always the Vicar, isn't it? Don't move devious, it's the Vicar. If he played that Vicar, I would be very happy indeed. There you go. There's a reference that I don't know if... How many people listening are going to get that? But I certainly did. Emma, thank you, and Excelsior. You're welcome. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this don't forget you can find more editions of it's good except it sucks and plenty more besides including details of my book can't help thinking about me at timworthington.org